Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is the Improv Chronicle Podcast. I'm Lloydie. It's Tuesday, 22nd October, 2019. Over the past few months, I've witnessed a number of improvisers have great success, not just in improv, but in the realm of scripted work. And it had me wondering, does their experience in improv bleed into their creative process when they write, or even when that written work gets performed? Or is this something completely separate from their improv? There was only one way to find out. So I sent some emails, made some calls, and then got surprised by a good number of the answers that I got. Caitlin Kunkel is a satirist. Caitlin writes and teaches satire for The Second City in Chicago and is one of the founders of the Satire and Humour Festival. She's also trained in and performed improvised comedy. Yes, I so I trained at The Second City in Chicago starting in 2010. And so all of their reviews that they do there are born out of improv. They As they start to turn one show into the next, they start to improvise scenes within an existing show. And then if those go well, they take the scenes home, they write them, they try them again with tweaks. So nothing is coming in just like written most of the time. It's usually coming out of something that's been improvised and then tweaked into a more written format. So that was like my introduction to learning about sketch writing really was seeing things like that. And even though at that time I didn't perform yet, (laughs) I was very intrigued by the idea that like you can use that audience feedback to kind of see which direction you might want to work on more at home when you're writing. So what is it about improv that is so useful as a writing tool? For me, when I eventually got over myself and my stage fright and started doing it, it's the idea that you're, so obviously you're not planning anything like you're doing when you're writing. You're kind of following the flow of what's happening in the moment and then starting to organically build based off feedback. So I think a lot of times when you're sitting at your computer and you're writing, you're you know, just imagining what people might like, you're kind of like working only within your own brain and like what you think is funny. And it's interesting to then like meld that with like what an audience is like very clearly responding to. For me, I, the thing that I always thought was unusual and funny wasn't always what the audience thought was unusual and funny. So I feel like the experience of doing improv like informed me as to, you know, consider a few different things in your scene as the unusual thing, because it's not always what you think it is right off the bat. And what is it about the process as well? You talk about the audience feedback, but what is it about the kind of improvisational process, the yes and finding an unusual thing? What is it about that that kind of helps in writing? 
I think the idea of like, so they talk about, you know, playing the game at UCB, so you're building on it. And when you sit down to write, especially like narrative satire pieces, obviously you're playing a game, you have a comedic premise, something that's unusual, but there's usually several different ways that it can go. And I think sometimes you start writing jokes that are like off the spine of the piece. So they might be funny in their own right, but they're not really like playing into your satirical point of view or like really playing the comedic premise and getting bigger and bigger. And when you're performing, <laughs> you might get a laugh on one of those off jokes, but then when you follow it, all of a sudden it becomes very clear as the performer that you're muddying your own scene. And so just having that experience live in front of an audience helped me like refine that idea that like, yeah, okay, that like off-brand joke about <laughs> healthcare might be funny in the context of the scene about elves, but really we're talking about elves <laughs> and the labor <laughs> unions at the North Pole. So you can get away from that. Um, and it was useful to me just in terms of like, cut it that's kind of a bad habit I think a lot of writers have is like having a clever thought and being like I'm putting it in there even though it doesn't really fit um when you do that in front of a live audience and it doesn't work you stop doing it UK improvisers Tim Grucock and Sean Lothian have just written a miniseries so I gave them a call to find out what their writing process was Sean's answer surprised me a little one thing we don't do a lot of is sit in the same room and write together and I think that's because we do a lot of live performance together already. So we kind of have a bit of common vocabulary and a sort of agreement on what a good, what makes a good scene. So we don't necessarily need to be sitting there doing it like it'll come through the writing. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, we I suppose, yeah, we, we don't sit in the same room as each other. We tried that a few times and actually we did. We didn't get that much done, to be sure. <laughs> Yeah, we got a lot of improv scenes done, but we didn't get a lot of writing done. Yeah. So actually for us, um, we tend to write separately and then um, we uh, send our scripts to each other. So um, and I suppose the thing is kind of almost like a big, in a way, a big kind of yes and exercise, because we don't generally... Um, when I when I write and then send it to Sean, we don't get hung up on things being changed too much, do we, Sean? No, um, kind of, you know, I couldn't really tell you what my jokes were in a script that we finished and what Sean's jokes were, because because of the kind of way we improvise together, we're building all the time when we're writing. Do you think you'd have made this ever if you hadn't been improvisers? Um, I think we I think for a long time, it's interesting, actually, I think for a long time, we didn't have the confidence to make something or ask people to help us make something. Um, and we were doing a lot of improv at the time and, you know, we were continually doing improv um, and doing, doing live shows and kind of thinking, Oh yeah, what do we do? Cause we're doing all these live shows. That's great. But we're kind of, we haven't got anything to kind of uh, uh, to show to people, we, you know? Um, and I think in the end, we kind of were so confident in our ability as, well, it sounds a bit big-headed, but I mean, we were confident in our ability on stage uh, that then when we asked people to help us, they were like, yeah, of course, why not? You know, I think, um, that, I don't know, have I answered the question there? I, <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I kind of think the way, I, the way I'm hearing it is that you have proved yourselves as stage performers so people were willing to take a gamble with you to make a, 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 a like the short. That's exactly how I would have put it. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> then then we're on the same page. And yes, you have made yeah. sense, Tim. Yeah. Okay, good. Thanks, Lloydie. <laughs> no, you're welcome. No, anytime. That's what I'm here for. 
Tim and Sean's current project was nominated for a Writers Guild of Great Britain Award for Best Online Comedy. Well, we've just released um, a mini-series based off a short we did last year called Spoker, which is a parody of a Scandi Noir, and we've um, relocated it to the West Country. Um, and instead of a grisly murder, we have a stolen bike at the heart of our story. What do you think? I think they don't quite understand why paper beats rock. What? You rock, paper, scissors. No, 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 about the case. We did this short last year um, with the help of uh, another uh, improviser, J Jim Archer, who um, directed it. He's a very uh, talented director. Um, and... We then were lucky enough to be able to turn it into a miniseries with the thanks, uh, well, thanks to um, uh, Comedy Crowd, um, who funded uh, funded it, and, and we turned it into um, a short uh, kind of five five episode, uh, five minute five minute episode short um, uh, miniseries, um, which yeah, we're very happy with. So um, yeah, it's been quite an interesting journey actually from where we started with it. Yeah, we've. I mean, Tim alluded to it there. Like we've we've surrounded ourselves with other improvisers on cast and crew. So um, Juliet Morris, another improviser who directed the full series, and our, all our cast are improvisers, which I think was really useful on set. Even if we were sort of, you know, there was a bit of plot detail to do, and we were sort of staying on script for most of it, but it meant we could get a good improv take as well, and let the actors kind of bring a little bit of themselves to it why why was that important to you to have improvisers surrounding you as well um i think well one we knew they were all really really funny improvisers so that was very important um all the improvisers that we work with had a lot of experience on camera as well um so when working uh, one thing we've learned a lot from in the miniseries is just how much time it takes to do anything and how constricted you are by you know a two-day shoot um, to get everything done, you need people to not only know the script, but also be just on it from moment to moment. So we knew that the people we cast could do that and also be really funny and very easy to perform with. Um, and I think just it, being an improviser, generally most improvisers I've met uh, have been very lovely, easy to work with people. Isn't that right, Sean? I think and, and that's really fair. And and also just again, just like having a common voice with the actors. Um, like we have a kind of organize, we have an organizing principle about our performances. So, as as improvisers and people have improvised a lot together, so that also kind of comes through on set as well. And we know the points where we can indulge ourselves and have a bit of fun um, with the script, and then the points in the day where it is time to sort of knuckle down and make sure we get the shot. Um, and just yeah, I think we're sort of condi socially conditioned to like working with other improvisers. I took a trip to London to see one of my teammates in the main days, who's just launched a writing project. Hello, I'm Katie Shute. I've written a book about improvisation called The Improviser's Way, and I've been in the May Days for 15 years. Christ. And I'm in Project 2 and a bunch of other improv stuff, and I teach and work in London. Tell me about this project that you're working on at the moment. Sure. So I, me and my friend Edmund Farger who is a trainee Mayday, we um, have made this 10-part series written. Um, we called it a web series, and then we're like, will it be on the internet? Probably. So I should be calling it a series. Um, but yeah, we're, we're collaborative improviser friends, and we've written a script. And it is, um, it's a comedy about 
romantic comedies. So it uses a lot of the tropes and the structure of romantic comedies. But instead of following the leads of a traditional romantic comedy, we've, we're kind of ignoring them a bit and pushing onto their best friends instead. So it's like the best friend of the, the lead lady and the best friend of the lead guy. So it's kind of like, um, you know, Risa fans from Notting Hill or, or whatever. It's kind of Carrie Fisher from When Harry Met Sally. And we follow their lives as this rom-com unfolds with their best friends. Which sounds fantastic, but you're both improvisers. What? How do we cope with typing? <laughs> I mean, how do you... Uh, I'm thinking more... Not so much typing, uh, which I'm sure you can both do. I'm thinking more... Um, how does an improviser get into writer's head and is there a crossover if there is a crossover point what is it that's a really good question we were chatting about this before um and we realized that even though we were writing we had quite an improvisational mindset with it so when we began um we discussed the ideas we were working on a play together actually so it was another sort of written um environment but i'd written that and Ed was in, in there as a, an actor, but we was talking about other ideas we were writing. Um, and we came up with this sideliners idea. And uh, I was on a very long flight, my probably my first and only time in first class on an aeroplane. I was like, oh my gosh, I can get my laptop out. This is going to be crazy. So I wrote the first scene of this idea, or a couple pages, and I sent it over to Ed on, on a Google Doc. And I was away for like a long weekend. But by the time I got on the plane to go home again, he had actually written more. Um, and then that just went as a back and forth. And we we're both quite busy London people. So actually, a lot of that show got written without us being in the same room. We'd written most of it, most of like 100 minutes without even reading it out loud to each other. So there's this like, yes, and building process where one of you go in, read what the other person had written, maybe edit it, tidy it up, change anything that didn't feel right, and then add your piece, bring your little brick to the cathedral, you know. Um, and actually, that was really exciting to see a message pop up and be like, ooh, I wonder what the new scene is. And then your, your and is part of the editing process, but also you're just literally adding to it. So we wrote from beginning through end, which is not always the writing process, but it it was improvisational in that sense that I'd make a move and then he would based off mine, you know. So the way you coped with typing was literally yes and. <laughs> exactly right, yeah. And then you might notice a, a game or a pattern in the other person's idea that isn't fully formed yet. And you'd be like, oh, that's really funny. I want to dig down into that more. So your edit is is heightening that game or, um, you know, pinch ouching that character a little bit more oh, that's a funny facet of them. I really want to piss them off. That feels like fun. So we could do that with our two sideliner characters and see how they reacted off different situations and stuff. But can you tell the difference between a piece that was written by an improviser and a piece written by a non-improviser? Caitlin Kunkel again. That's an interesting question. <laughs> I can definitely tell when someone has never performed and not even just improv but not read their pieces out loud because just the way the sentences are constructed it's hard to read out loud or like the rhythms are a little off or the sentences are too long to like be able to get out in a way that feels like natural or something that someone might say in normal conversation so I do think you can tell when someone's like very writerly which is fine you know <laughs> they're a writer um, as opposed to when someone has experience you know performing speaking in front of an audience. Um, 
you know, being in a scene where you're starting in a grounded reality. So you're not like right off the bat making puns or <laughs> using really constructed language. So I think you can definitely tell when someone has never been in front of an audience. Um, I don't know if you can tell if it's like specifically improv as opposed to stand up or sketch. Um, but yeah, I think the difference is more between like someone who doesn't perform their work out loud or doesn't perform and get audience feedback and someone who does. So should more improvisers be thinking of moving into writing? Tim Grucock. Uh To improvisers who are thinking of making something, then go ahead and do it and don't be afraid of um, asking other people to help you out because I think there are some really, there's just like a really good, you know, the scene's in a great place in the UK at the moment. I think kind of echoing what Sean was saying, like people are knocking on the door of the kind of comedy world, but also like, uh, you know, uh, scripted drama world who have improv experience. I mean, if you look at, you know, there's some amazing improvisers who are doing amazing things who, who started in improv who are now moving on to do other really cool stuff and winning awards for things. And, and, and that's amazing. And I think just um, have a go, like have a crack. We, 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 we just kind of asked a few people quite scared, you know, like we were like, Oh, do you think you could do this? And, um, and once that we'd asked people, everything kind of begins to fall into place and, you know, um, you can make some really cool stuff. So I think that's, what I'd like to say is just people, yeah, do it. Have a go. Next time on the Improv Chronicle podcast. Imposter syndrome is real and not just with new improvisers. Every now and again, after a show that doesn't go as well as they'd like, even veteran improvisers experience the improv dip or get stuck in a rut. We speak to some experienced hands in improv and find out how they get out of the dip and back doing the work they love and value the most. The Improv Chronicle podcast is produced and presented by me, Lloydie James Lloyd. Please subscribe and rate us on your favourite podcast app. And if you have an idea for a possible episode, get in touch via our website, improvchronicle.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.